0: A few weeks ago, we uh, did a series, and it was more than a series, it was actually a launch campaign for 2016 for something we're calling Disciple One. And Disciple One is choosing to meet with one person for one year for the purpose of following Jesus better together. And so the idea is to um, encourage one another to follow Jesus more faithfully, um, to read some scripture when we have questions about what God is doing in the world or our lives, and to pray for one another. And the Bible would say it this way, exhort one another. Uh, on toward um, good works and faithful living. And so we want to do that together. So I've heard, we didn't talk about this last week. we had got so many things with dedication and stuff, but I have heard so many good things already from this. I don't know if you've taken the challenge yet or not. Um, If you haven't, I would encourage you to do that. Um, And all you have to do is start praying for a person to begin meeting with. And we understand that it's a huge uh, risk to do so, but we pray it's going to have huge rewards for those who are seeking Christ together. So that's our prayer. This morning, um, with that in mind, I wanted to ask Steve Hampsh to come forward and share a little bit about a discipleship experience that he has had in his life.
1: Praise God. He's so good. Amen. He's been so good to me um, over the years, and I would just share a few uh, incidents of people who have been instrumental in discipling me in my life. We were out of town just uh, about a week ago, and it was my spiritual birthday, and you say, well, what's that? It was 45 years ago that Christ drew me into himself. And boy, I wish I was much more mature, much more spiritual than I am now. But I am so grateful for the way he, he's led me. I was only, Linda and I were only uh, Christians for maybe three months or so. And a couple in our church said, hey, we want to get together and do this life together called the Bible study. We might call it family group. And would you commit for five weeks?" And we went, oh man, maybe. You know, five weeks is a long time. Well, we just opened the Bible. I was dumb as a rock. I was excited about my new life with Christ, but I didn't know anything. Uh, I remembered the joke about the guy walking on the stones across Lake Galilee. So I said, well, how deep is Lake Galilee? So that's how elementary I was. And it's hundreds of feet deep. But we got together for five weeks. And after five weeks, this couple said, listen, we've got some other obligations. We, we can't spend any more time with you. You're going to have to pick your own leader. Well, I was, you're going to leave us? We just got going, and I was hungry for it. And so I prayed, unbeknown to others, please let me be the leader. Now, I didn't know Jack. I didn't know anything. <laughs> And uh, the group said, "Okay, yeah, Steve, why don't you be the leader? But this couple, this man in particular, met with me on Saturdays. And he said, this is the Bible. This is how you read it. This is how you understand it. This is how you teach it. This is how you interact with people. This is how you lead a group. This is how you deal with people who have wrong answers or people that are obnoxious. And he would teach me the Word of God And then through the week, I would be able to go out and teach. He was discipling me, and as crude as it was, I was able to to minister to others and disciple them. And I was so grateful. We still hear from them. We still interact. He has had such influence on us. His his marriage was an influence on us as we observed them. Oh, yeah, he's had his falls like all of us have, but I was so indebted. And that's not the only persons or people who have uh, ministered to us. I was at a funeral just last week of a good friend. Uh, He put me in contact with Christian books, and we would discuss those things. We never said, he's my, you know, I'm his disciple, or vice versa. We just did life together, and we talked, and we prayed, and we understood, and we argued, and discussed. And there was a number of people like that in my life. I was a leader for a while at First Baptist in Collinsville, uh, and I would speak to a group, and there was one man that I held spiritually high would sit like right over there and I knew that if I was out of bounds on something, I could look at his countenance and I knew, I knew what that meant. But if I was on track with something, I could look over there and I'd get that expression like, go, go. And so uh, I don't know that it, always it's one-on-one in discipleship. I think that's a goal, that's a great way to do it. But there are other ways. Uh, Lance Carpenter and I got together with uh, some others on occasion for like three years. And we never called it discipleship, but we shared life together. We confronted one another. We encouraged one another. And I think that's a farmer's discipleship too. And uh, also um, being on mission with many of you. The church, we disciple one another. It was less than a year ago that I came before you with a church with a heavy heart, you know the situation. You know how we grieved. Yet this church encouraged us. You lifted us up. You prayed for us. You ministered to our children. You sent love gifts of quarters so that uh, my daughter-in-law could visit my son in prison. You showed so much love. We came back from Angel Tree, uh, and there was a basket in, in our uh, dining room. Filled with gift cards and love and encouragement and notes, Bible verses, we were overwhelmed. We had so much love shown to us and we feel so blessed by that, yet I know in a congregation like this there are some that are hurting, there are some who have experienced death or lost a job or a wayward spouse or a wayward mom and dad or a child in trouble or an addiction. As a church, we need to be on mission with one another and disciple one another. Yes, it costs, it's expensive, and the effort is intense. I'm a benefit of that. Let's pass it on, I purpose to do that.
0: Praise the Lord. All right, we're gonna dismiss BLAST students and BLAST workers now, and they're gonna to head to the other side of the building and figure out what they're gonna to do today. And the rest of us are going continue in time in the Word, continue with a time in the Word together. Um, everything, like everything we do at Family Bible Church kind of has three parts to it our hope is three parts to it that there's people involved that the word of God is preached, shared, or studied and that we have prayed for one another I always say if you do those three things that anything you're doing in your life as a follower of Jesus you're succeeding everything else is window dressing if you're doing those three things of uh, spending time in the word of being with one another and listening to one another and of uh, praying for one another uh, you're doing what God has called us to do as his followers um, I know some of you are probably thinking, maybe, I know some of you are schedule-oriented. I, I know that for a fact. And uh, I know some of you are thinking, oh, are we supposed to start that new series called In Real Life? Yes, we are. Um, but we decided to push it one more week because of this location change today. And we wanted to talk a little bit. I thought it was a good opportunity to talk a little bit about um, what, it, what it means and why would it matter either way on a space. We have been meeting at the middle school for like 10, no, eight years, nine years, 10 years in school district. We met at the high school first before I was here. Um, and we have um, had many different kind of looks but the most recent being the middle school. But we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But I do also want to say that we are going to start the In Real Life series next week. It's going to be totally different than anything we've done at Family Bible Church before. I say that, but I mean it. It's going to be different. It's going to be awesome. Some of you have submitted awesome ideas already, but maybe you are you haven't. It's not too late to get your idea in. So the way you do that is you go to the website, familybc.org IRL. That stands for In Real Life. And you can submit your idea. That form is anonymous. So we're not going to call you up and be like, what do you mean you want to know about fill in the blank." You know, we want to know what's on your heart and mind, the things in real life that you struggle with that we want to address from a biblical worldview, from a, um, a Christian perspective. And so we want to do that. Um, just be honest in that journey. It's, it's going to be awesome as a team of people who are doing that together. And I'm so excited to have their partnership uh, in that. By the way, speaking of teams and partnership, um, I, I have to say this. I meant to say it earlier, but uh, the team of folks that we have that can come in and throw any space and turn it into a worship space is kind of ridiculous. And everything you see around here, like, um, it's just amazing to me that we We can I told somebody last week we were talking, and I said they said where is your church and i'm like it's now this is a funny question, but I'm like it's out there in that trailer. That they mean, where is the meeting place? You know, all of our gear is loaded in a little bitty trailer, and we can blow it out anywhere. We've been at the park before. We've been at public pools before. Uh, we've been. are uh, gonna be at the rec center tonight. I mean, any any venue, um, we can do it. And that, but that's because of faithful servants. And I just want to say, praise the Lord for faithful servants. It makes all the difference in what we do at Family Bible Church. Um, so we're gonna spend a, now today then talking about this idea of um, of uh, disciple the, the uh, disciple factory. But before we do, I want to say one more time, you can also email your comment if you, don't, if you don't mind that you want people to know or whatever, you can email IRL at familybc.org also. We'll get it that way too. We'd love to have your submissions and we will start that, Lord willing, next Sunday back at the middle school. So you can, uh, you can join us for that series. It's going to be awesome uh, as we lead up to Easter. Um. So this morning I wanted to spend a little bit of time, I, I kind of gave you a little bit of synopsis already, but where we've been before as a church and before I was here as a church, but we've always been nomadic as a church. We've always moved from place to place, right? We're always looking for a home. We're always at the mercy of those who are tolerating us being there. You might know we have an office on the square in Highland. It's like a two or three office, um, office, and uh, it works well for us. Um, we've been really blessed. We got to do that car wash, like I said, um, this last week there, and we have a good relationship with our, our landlord there. I've been blessed to be at the middle school. We have a lot of great relationships. I mean, it was really funny today not being there. People were saying, we're going to miss you guys, you know, which is cool that we have that kind of relationship with the staff, and um, it's awesome to be able to be there as well. And then, like I said, we've looked at um, many different places. Uh, it's kind of funny because... When I look back, if you've ever done this, you can find old pictures of family Bible church around. I take a lot of pictures. I don't know. If you do that, I think it's my preventative maintenance for Alzheimer's. I'm a little afraid I'm going to forget. You know, that's what the Bible says, remember. And so I take pictures of moments that I want to remember. Um, I've had people come in to me and show me pictures of the family Bible, and I'm like, I don't remember that. And they're like, don't you remember we were in that one place, that one time, doing that one thing? You know, and I'm like, oh, that's right. And I've seen some crazy pictures, especially of Krabby, honestly. Krabby has been in some crazy places over the years. Um... Just, you know, making use of space for the glory of God. So um, we've been on this long journey uh, together. And uh, that's not over at all by any any means. Um, and the other thing I would say before we get into the Word is, is um, we would love, you know if you're joining with family bible church you've been here for three weeks you've been here for five ten years however long like we we desire um you to be praying with us when i say we i mean the rest of the people who are here to be praying with us for god's leadership and god's discernment on what we're called to do we believe he is god he's in charge and he can tell us to do anything he wants us to do and he equips us to do it but we would love for you praying with us about that um i know a lot of times we get we have a tendency to to kind of turn toward the flesh and, and uh, do it over our, our own minds. You know, like, well, how can we think to get this done? I would much rather us, and I'm not saying it's me, but like in my own life too, I'd much rather me just say, Jesus, I'm coming to you with everything I have. What would you do with it? And then listen to him and see. And we can all do that together. So I would love to have you, and I would encourage you to be praying with us that God would have his way at Family Bible Church, um, and it wouldn't be anything of the flesh but of his spirits leading among us. Um, that's our goal as we get into that. Because of that conviction, we're going to do what we always do. We're going to pray now um, as we get into the word of God today together. We're going to pray about um, that God would reveal his truth to us today. So join me in prayer if you will. Father God, we thank you so much for this opportunity we have to worship you. Um, and it is a different space today, Father, but that, that's, that's meaningless because it's all about us relating to you wherever we are, um, whether it's at the middle school or here or somewhere else, if, whether it's in our jobs or our homes or our, our you know, um, school, wherever we happen to be, whether it's on the sidewalk or in the car. I mean, whatever it is, Father, whether it's in our best moments or our worst, Father, we come before you as your people, and we just celebrate that we can talk to you at all. You're so good, us us lord as we um, come into this time of intention to get into your word we need you to reveal truth to us we believe that you inspired the holy bible you inspired your saints to write it down record it pass it along but now we need your inspiration to understand it and maybe even if we don't know you today as our lord and our savior maybe today's the day that you're going to break through but we want to submit to you that you would teach us we don't need to hear from man or men's wisdom we need to hear from you lord from your wisdom would you teach us in our spirit would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see? Would you open our minds to the truth and cause our hearts to respond, Father, today? May we um, just be, bring glory to you. Um, I pray that we would be submitted unto your will and we would be listening to you today as you teach us from your word. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So, so this space is kind of funny because one thing that we looked at, it, we did at, who was here a few weeks when we set up the chairs at the middle school to match? yeah. A few of you were here, right? Most of you were here, I think. And um, we did a little different, but one thing that we knew right away, and I want to talk about this for a second, and there's a reason for this. Um, this space is tight. You know what I mean? Like this space is tight. It, we always we we looked at it. and We're like, wow, this would work for us immediately. But uh, how do you? What do you? How do you grow? Like what happens? You know, is some people at the middle school that day said everyone was touching me. <laughs> I mean, no, you really did. I love the feedback, right? you're like, I was rubbing elbow. It's like being in the airline seat, you know? They're too close together, you know? Um, Someone told me that uh, there was a child next to them, and I'm just saying this, if you have a child today, you know, okay, but their foot was fishtailing. I've never heard the word fishtailing before. Fishtailing on their leg the whole service? (laughs) I love it, man. That's so cool. Um, so, we're, but we knew, kind of knew coming in that we were, um, it would kind of be like that. And that got me thinking and praying, like, Lord, what, what does it mean as your people to have space anyway? Like, what does it mean to have a space? What is the purpose of of, of a building or a rental location or anything else? Maybe our homes. Um, what is the purpose of the space that you give us? And uh, this is the analogy that came to mind for me. I don't know if it'll help you, but. Um, I was thinking um, about the difference between, I don't know, you guys into cars at all? Yesterday we were loading in. Yeah, all you guys are in the cars. We saw some beautiful cars yesterday while we were getting gear for this event. We were getting some chairs, and there were some beautiful 1960 something Chevy Ford awesomeness. I don't know what it was really. (laughs) It was an old car. It was like a parade-worthy car. It was like kind of low and sleek, and you know, if you've been around Highland a while, you've seen these cars in the parades around here. Um, Maybe maybe you're like a Ford guy. Or a Chevy girl, right? Maybe you're, no, some of you guys aren't Ford or Chevy people. Maybe you're a Dodge person. Okay, no, no Dodge people here, you know? Um, Maybe you're a Prius person. I know some of you Prius people are here, yeah, Uh, or or Honda, Honda lovers. Hey, um, maybe you're a Tesla, right? You know, Uh, Tesla, man, those are some sweet cars. Well, I was thinking about this and I thought that about space use, and I thought, isn't it crazy? Because when you think about those things that we get really passionate about, right up here, you can drive through Highland to town, and you can see these brand new fronts are putting on these facilities to sell cars, you know what I mean? And you go in there, and there's lots of room, you know, they park a car. We actually were able to go visit with a guy who had a car dealership, an old car dealership building, and he was selling used cars. And he had a garage door with pipe and drape like this, and a garage door in the middle and you could walk in to buy a car from him and he would drive your car into the building. It was already in the building, but it was amazing, right? And you go, wow, presentation is so key. I got all this space to walk around and look at the car and think about the car and do I want this car and is this a good deal? These dealerships that put these beautiful, huge storefronts up, you know, they're, they're, and the branding, right? That, that bow tie, you know, the oval, that stuff matters to us, Right? What kind of person you are. And so we decide. We're shopping. Hmm. Is this what I want? Is this good for me? Does this fit who I am? But that's only a small portion of what it means to, um, to be a Ford, Chevy, Dodge, you know, Toyota, Honda, Tesla. Um, part of that, sa- that, that uh, producer, Right? Like we think about that side, but there's a whole back side. And that's what I want to talk about today is what about the factory side of those things? You know? What about the men and women that, are, that get up at 6 a.m. and they're going to the thing and they're working 12 or 14-hour shifts and they're using these tools and they're dirty and greasy and they got safety gear on and the parts that's ugly and it's very practical. And I bet you in those spaces, I know those factories are huge, but I bet you it's very efficient, isn't it? Because they're there to produce a car. They're not there to sell a car. They're not there for the world to go, wow, look how cool that, they're there to make a car, right? Or, or designers who are designing those things, the very, very early processes, and they have these spaces, and they're in cubicles, and they got, you know what I mean, and they're working, and they're building something. It's very efficient. And that's why I started thinking about the church, man, and space. And it's like, what if church isn't about the showroom? Ooh, do I want to buy this? I'm not sure, you know. But what if the space is about making something instead? What if it's about building something? See, that, that's a different look. And 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 I'm just telling you, and I'm not saying because Chris already says today, it's not this space per se, it's not that space per se, but it's what God wants. But you know, you start to think differently, like, well, God, what is possible if we throw out what has to be? What is possible if we pursue making disciples after you as our first priority? What could we do differently that would change things? Steve already shared with you a little bit this morning that um, one of the ways that we have, one of the tools we have for making disciples is the On Mission document here at Family Bible Church. Um, That's a document we created that basically calls us to biblical living together. Uh, We've said this before, and I won't go through it all again, but it's not membership. We don't have membership at Family Bible Church, but we have a subgroup of people who are on mission together, and our desire is that we would enter into a deeper biblical community through that. You also heard about the Disciple One Challenge for this year, a very intimate following you after Jesus. And then we also have this kind of big, overarching um, st- uh, mission as a church. And we've, we've been talking about this, and we haven't said it in a while, so I want to say it again. We kind of have a threefold mission at Family Bible Church. Um, the first is to make disciples, because we believe that's the primary calling of not just our church, but all churches, Right? That's what we're called to do. Why? Because Jesus himself said it. I know you hear it a lot. But Jesus himself said, go, therefore, into all nations, um, making disciples, baptizing in my name, and teaching one another to obey everything I've commanded. Like, this is the call of the church. And therefore, if Jesus is about it, we're all about it. That's how we roll, right? The second thing is that um, we want to strengthen families and to be honest with you, this is something we haven't done a great job of. I and mean, we want to do better. I mean, it's kind of ironic. We're family Bible church. But I can tell you that some of the things that break our heart is um, the, the, the dysfunction in families, the dysfunction in marital relationships, the dysfunction in parental and child relationships. And I'm not speaking as one who like, doesn't have them. Like We have those issues too. But man, it's the people of God who are created by him. And this birth order thing is this ordained by him if you don't believe that it's in the bible right that matters to us we want to do a better job of strengthening families we want to encourage you in, in your uh, singleness are you in your marital status we want to encourage you in your parenting or your child being we want to encourage you in these things that the glory of god might be manifest in the most intimate spaces of our lives because see that's the truth isn't it We can make it look good on the outside. That's pretty. We can smile going to church on Sunday. We can do that. But when you get inside, right, you're getting those people who just, that's where the most intimate stuff's happening. It can get ugly. And that's where we need the Spirit of God to work and to change us. It will be forever transformed into His image. So that's our second big push is to strengthen families at Family Bible Church. And some of the things we've been talking about doing is like maybe doing a, a marriage retreat. Um, we would love to do that. Um, parent, we've done some parenting classes over the years. We'd love to do that some more. Um, just all kind of stuff like that to strengthen families in our community. Be, by the way, be a resource for families who are struggling. Just to be an ear to listen to, you know? They're all around us. People are struggling. And then the third is to live the mission, right? And this just means that we believe that God has called all of us where we are for a purpose, And that means wherever you are, you're on the mission with Jesus. Like you're on his mission. So that's kind of what we're trying to do at Family Bible, this kind of three-part living out of the mission. Now I want to get into that idea this morning as we continue. And I want you to, if you brought a Bible, you can open to the Gospel of Luke. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one on the end of the chair rows. And we're going to look at page 724, Luke 9, 57 through 62 give you just a second to get there. And we're going to talk about this, and then we're going to kind of roll into the rest of the service. Okay, here we go. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, by the way, this is Jesus and the disciples. The man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied this way, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He then said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, let me first go bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied this way, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. This is a recording in the Gospel of Luke about Jesus' own earthly ministry, like the the stuff that actually happened while he's here. Um, It's also recorded, I believe, in Matthew, the same story is recorded. I want you to notice a few things. And this is something, if you read, not just this one passage, I'm trying to proof text here, but if you look at Jesus' earthly ministry, by the way, which started with his baptism, like that kicked in the high gear. We're doing baptism tonight. That's when his ministry really kicked in the high gear and then ran about three years until he, until he met his um, purpose on the cross, you know, and then was raised three days later. But in his earthly ministry in those three years, you watch Jesus, and that's what we do. We watch Jesus and say, Jesus, how were you following God? What were you doing? And if you watch Jesus, he was always on the move. He was going from town to town, from place to place. He was praying in the morning, and he was reading scripture in the synagogue, and he was healing the sick. He was moving, moving all the time. And we see that here. Look at it. Don't miss it right away. It says, as they were walking along the road. Jesus is God on the move. That's what we experience of him. As a matter of fact, you get the sense sometimes from the Gospels, his disciples are just trying to keep up. You know, would, would you just do the same thing twice? Would you just go back to this city? Would you just um, come and come to my house? I, we missed you when you came through. I, I'm going over here. He was always moving. And that, that becomes our same experience as we follow Jesus in our own life. Um, isn't it interesting, by the way, that the man says to Jesus, and I just want to take a minute and kind of walk, talk about this, but... It says, as they were walking along the road, Jesus and his disciples, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. This is what the man says. Now, I had, first question I had was this. Wasn't the man already following Jesus? Have you ever tried to talk to someone while in a parade? Have you ever tried to do that? You're sitting there on the side, you're in your chair, you know, you got your whatever, your candy or your soda, you got your spot. You ever go to the parades you're get your spot, <laughs> you know, and you're sitting there? And then someone comes by that you know, and you're like, hey, Joe, right? But you ever try to talk to that person? Because usually parades don't stop. So you're, I'll be right back. And you get up, and you start. I wonder, was this guy, like when Jesus came through, they were walk, as they're walking along the road, does this guy get up and say, hey, Jesus, um, while you're, I will follow you. And I thought, well, if he's up, isn't he already following him? I will follow you, Jesus, wherever you go. Yeah, Jesus like, yeah, keep, keep going, <laughs> you know? Uh, Let's keep talking. Let's keep talking. Maybe. The Bible doesn't say it, does it? Are you looking at it? doesn't say it, does it? Was, was the dude sitting in his chair, and he saw Jesus going along the road, and he just yelled out, you know, hey, Jesus, I will follow you. <laughs> you know? I don't know. But look at what Jesus says. The foxes have holes, and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. That's Jesus. Wow. Huh. that's what his ministry looked like. Moving, walking, pursuing, being followed. Man, that's what it looked like. Disciples, listen, disciples were trying. Jesus, where are we going? What are we doing? What does it look like? If you look, all the disciples had this experience of meeting a Jesus on the move. It's amazing to me. But Jesus says, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now you think, do you think, and you know, Jesus came to this earth and he had no place to lay his head. Do you think that's an accident? Like, do you think it's an accident that he's like, there's no permanent place for me here. I don't think it's an accident. I mean, I'm pretty sure if the Heavenly Father wanted to orchestrate everything where Jesus could have come, set foot on one place, we know it, right? Set foot on one place on the earth, and then that he would never have to move again. He would have every, all of his needs attended to. That's not what he did. He was moving. He was pursuing those who were far from God. He was crying out. He was healing people. As a matter of fact, my favorite verse in the Bible, if you know me a well, while, you know this. Matthew 7, 7, it says, ask, seek, knock. Those are three verbs, right? They're doing things. We're invited to be part of the journey with them. Or the Bible calls us to love one another. That's an action, to do it, to risk it. The same way as Jesus is walking among us on the move, we're called to take action with him, right? We're called to move with him. We're called to listen to him. I was... um I was thinking about it and I thought the bottom line is then what does that mean? That means if you're this guy whether you're walking with Jesus and did you hear the next guy I will follow you in a minute but let me first go bury my father I will follow you in a minute but let me first go back to my family real quick there's this idea that Jesus is not going to wait he's not going to stand because we're going he's going and we're going with him or we're not that's kind of the truth isn't it? we're going to be in that chair going okay we'll catch you next time you come around or we're going to get up and we're going to go with him that means all of us wherever we are our lives this is the following after Jesus that we see revealed in the Bible but I wonder what what is it that keeps us in in that chair I mean what is it that when you start to walk with a friend in the parade that you start to go oh you know and and you and you ah, this is it gets weird what because I'm not in the parade well are you kind of and I think this is what it comes down to is it's about comfort is it comfortable are you comfortable can I get you anything? This is the experience you have when you go into that dealership, isn't it? I'm trying to sell you something. Can I get you a coffee, a water, a tea, a small snack? Better deal in this car. <laughs> Are you, is, this, is this appealing? And this guy says, I'm going to follow you anywhere. And Jesus basically says this, it ain't going to be comfortable when you follow me. It's not. Why do we desire comfort more? I'm talking to myself too, right? Why, why do we desire comfort more than Jesus? Why do we desire comfort in our lives more than his purpose, his created purpose for us? The third thing I want to point out from this is amazing to me, and I know it's just the way it's written here, but it's amazing to me because the the author goes right from that, from this guy. This guy says, I will follow you anywhere, whether he's walking with Jesus or sitting in a chair. I will follow you anywhere, Jesus, and Jesus is like, it's going to be tough, dude. And then Jesus turns immediately to someone and says, follow me, to someone else. Follow me. Hey, you, follow me man, by the way, this is why it's so hard because some of us, so many of us come up in like a broken idea of who God is and what religion is and what faith is and what life looks like. We come up with this broken view of it and then we refuse God who's really God because we've seen broken manifestations of it, you know? But the challenge for us is that Jesus says, no, follow me, follow me. And he says it to all of us in our lives. It's not gonna be comfortable, follow me. The question becomes, will will we do that? The bottom line is this. If you know Jesus, now hear me, if you know Jesus as your savior, he died to forgive your sins. We understand that. He paid his life on the cross. He paid a price we could never pay. We get that. But then as your Lord, if you understand that if he's saved you and redeemed you, he's claimed you and you, you, you belong to him, right? Like you're, the, you're his property. Like he, he, you're his child. Then we have to contend with what does it mean to follow him? And then we realize this, that Jesus is the initiator in our life. He's the inviter, or he's the mover and shaker. He's the one that won't leave us alone. He's the one that won't tolerate us staying stuck. I mean, how many people are stuck, right? Jesus won't tolerate stuckness. He's graceful and patient, but he won't leave us where we are. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So coming back around a little bit then, when viewed rightly, a facility such as this is nothing more or nothing less than a tool to make disciples. Whether it's the middle school or something else, right, whatever it is, that's all it becomes. It should not become anything beyond that. And I want to tell you this morning, there's danger in it. There's danger in it becoming something that it shouldn't be. Our call is to go into all nations, making disciples, right? Go make disciples of all nations. The bottom line is that whether we are in any facility, I want to say this, and this is... Whether we are in any facility, wherever it is right now, it's at the uh, office in the square and at the middle school on Sundays. But the space is to be used um, by the people of God, right? It's the, it's the people of, it's the space of the people of God. It, it, it belongs to us, and we're allowed to use it um, for our purpose. It should be used to honor God. And I love this morning already that, that um, <sighs> is it weird that you think that, by worshiping Jesus, wherever we are, we redeem space. Does that make sense to you? Is your office environment really bad? Can I just tell you, you can redeem the space by worshiping Jesus there? By choosing to submit your heart to him. I've seen that stuff firsthand. Or maybe it's your home life. Can you, re, you, know, you can redeem that space by submitting yourself to him and worshiping him there. Because all the spaces that we go as believers in Jesus should be used to honor God. This is why sin is so egregious for believers. We should be honoring God with this space. The third would be that uh, we, we should use it to welcome others, really. You know, you're welcome here. I mean, we, we have to do that. And the fourth is that the space, the, and Family Bible is great at this, by the way, um, You know, um, the space is used to be used. (laughs) It's used to be used. Like this idea of stewardship is you wear stuff out using it, you know. Um, It's like if you have a really nice house and it's so nice you can't invite your friends over who have those kids because they're going to destroy the place, your house is too nice. That's what I think. If that's what it comes down to, if you have to have your museum where everything's on a shelf and it's so perfect and you can't invite anyone in that space, then it's not, it's not used to be used. I know there's a line there, but I mean, come on, right? That's what it should be, and especially in a church, it should be a space to be used, be worn out for the glory of God. All right, so I want to share with you two dangers and are going to wrap up. Here we go. One danger is that the building becomes the church. I already had somebody say that. So is the church being at the church this Sunday? What? <laughs> We've had the opposite effect at the middle school. That's not a real church. It's at the middle school. What? That the building becomes the church. It's a dangerous thing. You point at that pointy building. You look at that pointy building. What's that? Oh, that's First Baptist Church. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Not biblically. That's the building where First Baptist Church happens to meet. Right? That, that, what's that green top? Oh, that's Evangelical United Church of Christ. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. That's the green roof building, interesting choice, by the way, <laughs> where those people who love Jesus choose to meet. Do you see what i And there's a real danger that as soon as we would get into any space, it would become, that's family Bible church. And now listen to me, that's not family Bible church. You are family Bible church. And we got to watch that because that will creep in, creep in. So the church is the people of God As a matter of fact, you'll recall that um, when Peter, uh, one of the disciples, one of the apostles, was following Jesus, one of the first right, who was following Jesus and Jesus, he confessed that Jesus is the Christ. And then Jesus said this, um, um, "You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church." He said, "You are Petros, and on this Petros, I will build my church." Interesting, right? That it's the people that God cares about. It's the people that God died to redeem. I say that because there's an interesting side thing you can look into is, was Jesus saying that, Peter, you are my rock? Or was Jesus saying, Peter, that confession that I am fully God, that I am the Messiah, the anointed one, that I've come to save the lost, to heal the broken, to redeem the sinner. That is the rock that I will build my church on, the ecclesia, the people who are called out of the world into my kingdom. That's what I'm going to do. That's a a theological issue that we should understand. What is Jesus building his church on? The second thing, this danger of this, is that um, the building could become an idol, right? I want to say two things about it. One is this uh, it can become an eye, like I said, where it, it's, it's, it's um, the holy sanctuary, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, look how pretty it all is. There's no one here to look at it. It's okay, because look how pretty it is, you know what I mean? Um, and you can worship that space, man, and that's dangerous. But, you know, we're not in that situation, right? we got, like, road cases and broken gear everywhere, you know? But you know what it can be for us? Now, listen to me this morning, church. You've been here for a while, right? It can become that, oh, that's going to be it. How do you define the blessing of God? Well, this would be it. That's not enough. That's not it. You see, the the idea of a building or a space can become an idol in our heart, and we can become more concerned about that than about the Lord, the Jesus who is walking along the road and calling us to follow him, and we shouldn't. We have to guard against idolatry, and there's a real risk of it, I believe. So what is it? You see it as a tool. It's an opportunity. It's It's a space to use to make disciples of Jesus Christ. What? To send out disciples of Jesus Christ. A common space could be huge. You know, we'll talk practically for a minute. What we have is we have an office all the time that we use sometimes. We borrow other people's churches, which is awesome, by the way, to do some of our bigger stuff because we can't fit in the office. And then we rent five hours a week at the middle school. We get five hours a week that we do this. Man, we praying about this. We have to start praying, Lord, what else would we do then? Do we need more than five hours a week or is five hours a week good? Because if five hours a week is good, we can do that. Lord, how, how would we use it as a tool to make disciples? And I know some of you are already thinking about ways that can happen. I want to close with um, a couple of other scriptures. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I, I want to read them. About this whole idea. Um, the first is, um, is 2 Samuel uh, 7. I think I has, have the, the, oh, I don't have it up here. Okay, I'm just going to read it to you. So this is it. Um, 2, 2 Samuel 7. You can look it up later if you want to. After the king David, after the king, that was king David, was settled in his palace, you see, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him. You see, David had been victorious and was settling into his estate. He said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am living in a palace made of cedar while the ark of of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, just do it because God is with you. Just, Just go Then that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying these words, You go tell my servant David, this is what Yahweh the Lord says. Are you the one that's going to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt till now. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever command any one of their rulers who shepherd my people, why have you not built me a house yet? Right? Have I ever said that to the people? Why have you not built me a house? The second one I want to share with you is from Isaiah. Because you think, well, what, what, doesn't Jesus like cool stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Listen to this. Isaiah 66. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build for me? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things And so they came into being, and then look at what it says. This is what I esteem, the one who is humble and contrite in spirit and the one who trembles at my word. The one who's humble and contrite in spirit and the one who trembles at my word, he finds value in us, but not space. You know what I mean, right? Like God made everything. All of it is his. All of it is his. One more. Last point. The matter of discipleship though is an urgent matter, and I wanna wanna close with this one. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5. And I think I have this up here too as well. Yeah, just a couple verses here. Now, brothers, this is Paul writing to the church, about times and dates we do not need to write to you because you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. It's gonna be very quick. While people are saying to themselves, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly. As labor pains come on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. I want to stop just for a second there and say, that's what comfort gets us. That's what comfort gets the world. You're not ready. We're not ready. And we need to be ready. We need to be following Jesus, not sitting in the armchair comfortable with what's happening in our lives. Look at what it says. People will be saying peace and safety, but destruction will come on them suddenly. Discipleship is an urgent matter because we need to be making disciples of Jesus and be disciples ourselves so we're ready for the day. Look at what it says in verse 4. But you, brothers, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons and daughters of the light and sons and daughters of the day. We do not belong to the night nor to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we now belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith, look, and love as our breastplate and the hope of salvation as our helmet. Because God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, and this is it, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are now doing. This is the urgent and persistent call of discipleship, to continue on following Jesus and to be ready for that day. He did not appoint us for destruction. Um, That is one of the, uh, I believe, the greatest lies of the devil. Doomed, doomed, you're doomed. Right? You read the First Testament, the Israelites, we're gonna die in this desert. No, we're not, because Jesus has saved us. The work is finished. We are able to pursue him all of our lives. I don't know what your life looks like right now. And I don't know what you think about what we're doing at Family Bible Church, but I pray that ultimately we are we are longing to please him, to follow him, and to help others to follow him with us. Matter of fact, that could be our prayer that all that other stuff would fall away and that the things of God remain, that the things of God would remain. Here's the funny thing. I remember one time we had a guest speaker come and he talked about we aren't selling anything, you know, we aren't selling anything. There's a free offer of salvation on the table for those who receive it. You know, it does require a broken and contrite spirit. It does require humility and repentance. It requires us to admit that we are not God and he is and that he knows us and that we're wrong and he's right and that we belong to him and not ourselves. So really, it's funny, because the only thing that keeps us from God is us, is our own unwillingness to believe or to receive. If that's you today, I want, to, I want to ask that you would consider it with me as we pray. I want to ask you to consider believing the good news. I want to ask that God would intervene. Pray with me if you would. Father, today we thank you so much for your word and for the truth of who you are I pray, Father, that for those who are here this morning who don't um, know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that today your Holy Spirit would break through in a powerful way right now, Father God. I pray that it would not be uh, convincing, or uh, and Lord, that you would pursue this 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 person's heart until you win. That you would pursue them wherever they go until you win, as you've won with all of us, Lord Jesus. for those of us who forget that we're after you, that we're following you, and that there's no value in comfort because we're with you and you are our comfort, I pray we remember that all the time. And we're going to begin this time of praying as we pray that we would be discerning rightly where you would lead and what you would do and how we should do it, Lord. And let us not be afraid to make mistakes with you. Father God, may we, may we bring glory to your name in all of our mess. May you redeem us as your people, just as with Israel. And uh, we love you so much. We thank you, Father God, for the the movement that you've done here today. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen.